Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first lesson comes today from the book of Numbers. Please stand, all those who are able. And it is an interesting passage. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. And uh, Reverend Alvis Alvis will explain how it all works together. So you definitely got to pay attention. Let us begin. Listen now to the Word of God. The people have been traveling in the wilderness, having left Egypt. And we pick up in verse 4. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. And then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. And so Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as you are able in body and spirit that we may hear Scripture from Ephesians, the second chapter the first ten verses. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, You were dead through the trespasses of sin in which you once lived, following the course of the world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and scenes, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ, so that in the ages to come He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Those are two pretty tough scripture readings. And they raise all sorts of questions and reactions, possibly. How is the world to make it through all of the details and troubles of the world, of, of the situations? There are so many things that are wrong in the world. There are so many circumstances. All you have to do is read a newspaper or magazine or look at your Facebook feed or listen to the radio, and, and you hear all of these things that are wrong in the world. All you need to know that is wrong in the world is to pay attention to yourself and your own circumstances, your friends and family, diseases that come and circumstances that we face and the trouble that we have in all types of places. Scott Weimer, who is pastor of the North Avenue Presbyterian Church in um, Atlanta, which is at the corner of North Avenue and Peachtree Road, right in downtown Atlanta. He, I have heard him say that he knows what's wrong with the world when he realized one day he was listening to a news story account, and it said that one of the major sex trafficking intersections in the United States, if not the world, was the corner of Peachtree Road and North Avenue Church. In other words, at the very corner where the church stay, stood, there was an issue of horrible, horrible uh, conditions that needed to be addressed. And Scott and the leaders of that church and leaders of other churches around have sought to find ways to share God's grace on the street right in front of them. If you have been in downtown Columbus on any day of the week just about, you know that we have a significant homeless population, and there is something wrong with people not having homes. There are all sorts of reasons, and there are all sorts of programs, there are all sorts of things to happen. But as a condition of the world, we need to acknowledge that this is a reality where we live, and we need to seek to follow that, follow ways in which we can be engaged with that. There are two words, two big words that come to us from the Christian tradition that speak about how things that are wrong in the world get made right. Those two words are justification and sanctification. Um, and if you play any of the word games, word for friend, words with friends or Scrabble or any of those. Those are good, long words that should guarantee you a good many points. So remember them for that reason. But also remember them because they are basic vocabulary in the Christian life. We are studying here in the church this year as our, um, adult, as our, as our Christian education study on Sunday morning, the Believe series. What is it that we believe? What does that mean that we have to do? What are the practices we inculcate? What are the characteristics we want to develop? Who are we to become through this belief? And these words help point us in, in that direction. Justification and sanctification. And in Ephesians 2, you have it laid out 
in a very short but complete form. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. This grace that comes to you, it is the gift of God. It is not because of anything that you have done. It is the gift of God that comes to you so that you you can't boast about it. You can't say, look at me, how good I am. You simply say, praise God for the gift of God's love that has come to me. Grace is that thing that is at work in our life. J.B. Phillips, a New Testament scholar in the 20th century, did a translation of the Bible and, and of the New Testament, and this is how he phrased it. It was nothing that you could do or achieve. It, salvation, is God's gift to you. No one can pride themselves upon earning the love of God. The fact is that we are is that we, we owe this not to our own doing. It is God's gift to us. We are born afresh in Christ and born to those good deeds which God has planned for us to do. We are created with all this sorts of potential, all this sorts of potential. There is occasionally when you're driving through the countryside and, and sometimes in the cities here in Georgia and Alabama, you may have seen a sign that says, get right with God. And sometimes there are a variety of Scripture verses that go with that. John 3.16 is often cited there. You know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, say it with me, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know it. But John 3.16 comes after John 3.14. And in John 3.14 and 15, there are these interesting references. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. When Jones read the passage about the snakes, some of you are probably going, snakes on the plane, snakes in the church, what are we talking about here? But there were snakes that infested the children of Israel, and Moses said, or God, was, God told Moses, put a snake up on a pole and lift it up, and when people look there, they will be saved. The Gospel of John says, just as Moses did that, so Jesus is lifted up. For God so loved the world, for God gave Jesus into the world. And God gave Jesus not simply for a matter of belief, but God gave Jesus so that the world, John 3.17, the world could be saved. The world could be justified. The world could be changed because of that. John Calvin, one of our ancestors in faith in the Presbyterian church, puts it this way. This gets kind of nerdy theologically, but it's, it's, it's very to the point. To justify means nothing else than to acquit those who are accused as if their innocence were confirmed. Therefore, since God justifies us by the intercession of Christ, God absolves us not of our own innocence, not because of our own innocence, but by the imputation of righteousness, 
so that we who are not righteous in ourselves may be reckoned unto Christ as such. Wow. We have somebody standing for us when we have done wrong and when we do wrong. A number of years ago, I uh, was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We lived, at the time, we lived in a county just adjacent to the county where Fayetteville was, and I was in Fayetteville to run some sort of errand, the details of which I kind of forget at this point. But at the time, I had a car that had a clutch in it, and I came to a stop in a left turn lane uh, behind a car in front of me, and it was on an incline, a small incline, not a huge incline, but a small incline. And for some reason, I needed something in the back seat. And so I reached into the back seat. Why, I still don't remember. But as I reached, my foot, the pressure of my foot led off of the brake and the clutch, and I went into the car in front of me. Not a whole lot of damage, but some, and we were in traffic, so I had to call the police officer, and he wrote a ticket up for me, and he said, you know, you need to go to court. You can't pay this online. You can't, in fact, it was even before there was an online. I couldn't pay it by mail. And so I prepared to go to court, and it said, at the time, it said, we don't take checks, only cash, but I didn't know how much cash to have. So I asked around, and I got what I thought would be enough. And I also was told by some, some friends and church members, they said, go to your insurance agent and have the agent write a letter once the claim has been fulfilled and, and say that the claim has been fulfilled and, and ask the court for mercy. And I said, well, it couldn't hurt, so I did. So the day came, and I had my cash money, and I had my letter, and I walked into a courthouse, into the courthouse, and it was one of those courtrooms that had a center aisle in the right and the left, and I sat down. It was traffic court. The appointed time was 9 o'clock, and I was thinking traffic court. What, you know, there's my case that's here. I know what my case is. I wonder what kind of other cases there are that are here. The first one out of the box was excessive speeding, eluding arrest, possession of controlled substances, and firearms. And I went, wow, I thought this might just be, you know, I don't know, average run-of-the-mill, just maybe other people in my situation. Yeah, there were other people in my situation. And so the case was concluded, and the judge said to the defendant, go over here to this, this room over here. There was a glass wall, and you could see behind the glass wall there were clerks and deputies and people who were processing and taking payment and doing all sorts of other things. And so several cases came down, and they were all, I was just surprised at all the things that came down. So finally, my name was called, and I went down to the, to the bar, and I handed my letter to the clerk, or to the district attorney, and she said, or and the judge said, what's that? Which <clears throat> didn't sound too promising. 
But she, the judge asked for it, and she put it down and moved her glasses around a little bit and wrote something on it. And then without looking up, she said, Mr. Alvis, you may leave. Where? You've told everywhere, everyone else where to go. Where do I go? And then after a few seconds, when she realized I wasn't moving, she looked up, pulled her glasses down, and she said, Mr. Alvis, you may go. Well, I may be slow, but I figured that I was just going to leave the building. So I turned around as quickly as I could. I made a beeline out the back door, and I didn't stop until I got out of the courthouse because I really wasn't sure what had happened. There was no fine. There were no points on my record. There was no statement that I had, in fact, been guilty of allowing my car to hit another car. All was made right. Wow. Someone interceded for me. Someone stood in for me and made what was a wrong situation right. We do live in a world that is so full of wrong situations, and we struggle with how we are to make, make things right. And God and Jesus comes to us and says, one of the ways that you make things right is allow Jesus to be at work in the world. But it's not just about letting Jesus be at work in the world. It's letting Jesus be at work in us. Ephesians 2.10, we are born afresh in Christ and born to do those things those good deeds that God has planned for us. In other words, God has good plans for us. In Christ, there is hope. In Christ, there is a way of moving forward in the world. In Christ, we may share goodness. And God wants that for us. God earnestly desires that for us and offers that to us. There are so many times and places when we struggle with things. And yet God's grace comes to us and opens us up to a new way of thinking and being. Nadia Boltz Weber is a Lutheran pastor in Denver. She founded a church called um, the, uh, the House for All Sinners and Saints. And she is, uh, she's edgy. She's not your parents' typical Lutheran pastor, if you have any friends who are Lutherans. Um, she would not be a typical Presbyterian pastor. Uh, she has a variety of tattoos on her arms that are covered, piercings on her ears and nose. She is a provocative kind of person. Um, 
she is also an author and a speaker and recently has published a memoir which as a result of which there's a book tour that goes on around that and recently I heard of an interview with her and she talked about God's grace. She says, you know, I, I may look edgy and nerdy, but really when it comes down to it, I'm very traditionally orthodox in my Christian faith. I believe in Jesus. I, had, I do this, this nerdy Jesus talk. Jesus loves us, and Jesus changes us, and Jesus is at work in us, and we accept, a, give, a, provide a, a radical hospitality to the world. And she said the, the amazing thing about grace is that grace is there for us to accept us, and grace is there, and in that acceptance, it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. And that's good, because that uncomfortability that we have makes us know that we can then change, and we can share some of this love and goodness that God has offer to us. We can share it, and we can transform it, and the world can be changed. And that's where this sanctification business comes in. We are justified because what God has done for us. We are in the process of sanctification, which is not doing a happy dance, woo-hoo-hoo, look at me. No, that's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is the daily work that God is with us, accompanying us and transforming us and changing us as we interact, and, and when we mess up, when we don't do well, then God is there to say, remember you are justified. Remember to return to those practices. Pray. Show mercy to people. Give love to folks. Those things will change and transform you in ways that you may not completely understand, but which will make a huge, huge difference in the world and also for yourself. Look up to Jesus as the one who loves the world and who loves you. And because of that, God offers salvation and hope to the world and gives us justification as well as allows us the ongoing process of our own sanctification. We live in a world that God created for delight and good. All too often we find ways to, to say it is bad or to transform what is good into something that is bad. But it is delightful the world that God created was meant to be delightful and good, and it is up to us as we follow into and live into this responsibility and relationship with God. It is, it is our opportunity and our challenge to help bring that into reality, to give life and hope and goodness in the world. So remember, there are two big words justification and sanctification. And you can use them in a word game if you want to, but it's even more important to know that God has sent Jesus to help make the things that are wrong in the world right, and that God has sent Jesus to help us as we make our way in the world, to help us make our way in such a way that 
to live into the good deeds, the delightful works, the wonder of the world that God has made for us, even from the beginning. Claim that in your life and live that together. Thanks be to God. Amen.